week's Veritas Roundtable. I'm Austin Claver. I help lead the youth ministry. Clearly not Mark Arendt, but <laughs> stepping in today. And Jeff doesn't need an introduction, but Jeff is a friend to me, a mentor, professor mm. for VST, and wedding officiant in yeah, two days. Dude. So Jeff, how are you? Happy Wednesday. I'm good, but I got a lot less on my mind than you <laughs> yes, do right now. Yes. <laughs> Holy cow. Tell him again, what's going on? I mean, like literally two days from now. Two days, like 48 hours from now, I get to marry my best friend. Uh, so Friday, so this is kind of my last push of the week, and yeah. then oh, I'm all so the marriage happy stuff. You, but so happy for you. Yeah, we wanted to, um, the aim of this discussion is to seek practical wisdom hmm. from a father of the faith. Hmm. You know, it's kind of that first John language, just a very paternal, like hmm. young men, children, fathers of the faith. And in this moment of culture, I think it is, I think it is incredibly important mm. for men like myself and women to one be anchored in the truth of, of the gospel, right. but also for our fathers and our mothers who have been anchored mm. in this gospel for decades of just you guys are voices that have been around for a long mm. time. And so that's mm. the aim. It's not for for just young men in ministry, but I want this to be encompassing for the mothers in their 30s you know mm. the teenagers all the way up to men in their mm -hmm. 50s 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 57 cool <laughs> still looking good still looking good i texted jeff i texted jeff about this uh, and I, I i quoted a proverb i said gray hair is a crown of glory it is gained in a righteous life and so if that's oh, what man. your gray hair means, man, <laughs> that's so. good stuff. Uh, that's and I got stuff. a lot of it. Even my mother, my mother's 93. I went up to see her, you know, kind of past quarantine, make yeah. sure she's okay and help her out a little bit around the house. And uh, we're sitting there and she looks over and she, and she goes, man, you're getting gray. <laughs> she's <laughs> nine, But I literally have more gray hair than my, my mother does. Wow. At 93, sorry. We digress, but yeah, 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 she has very little gray hair. Wow. She's got brown hair at 93. But, but I'm what my 93-year-old mother talking about how much gray oh my I have in my hair. So. Anyway. Well, it's a crown of glory. It's a crown, man. I'll take it. I, I Honestly, when it comes to getting older, um, it's one of those kind of things that I have sincerely loved every era of life. Mm. Every era of life also has... Uh, downsides you know mm. some valleys to go through so it's not like i just feel like i've had this perfectly but i'm just saying as far as you know you hear people having like a midlife crisis mm. or whatever i have like i i loved being you know new in my faith and then i loved getting married i loved when we had little ones i loved as they mm. got older i love now being a grandparent like every season of life yep. i'm like i wouldn't want to go back yep i don't regret those mm. chapters or seasons but I love my life right yeah. now. I I have no like, hmm. I don't know, feeling of oh no, the ship has sailed. What am I? No, I'm like, I feel like this is the best season of my cool. life. <laughs> and that's the way to live because you know that is. I mean, that's not always the the norm. Dude, there's a lot of people my age and older who just live with regrets hmm. or um, kind of phantoms from the past that they wish hmm. that they could could go back and relive or, or redo or regrets. And I'm saying, of course you always have regrets. Of course there are things you wish yeah. you can redo, but man, live the life God has given you today. Mm. Wake up and say, man, there's new mercies today. There's new wow. graces to experience today and lean into yeah. whatever day that is, you know? So, yeah. 
I think it'd be so interesting just thinking about, you know, Jeff's been a very, like, um, you have been a father of faith to me, you know, like, right when you moved in, I was just like, so Jeff, like, let's get lunch, let's hang out, I, you I know, and I'm just yeah. like, I'm holding on to him, and Jeff, actually, the first time we hung out, I don't know if you remember this at all, I but he the first said, time we hung out, yeah. he said, how long have you been following Jesus? And I'm getting him my yeah. story, I'm like, yeah, I helped lead the youth ministry here, you know, thinking I'm a hot child, and you go, <laughs> oh, so you're still a baby in your faith. And I was like, <laughs> inward, I was like, how dare you offend me like that? Oh, next turn, I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's oh, so, that's it's so, so funny. It's so humbling now to just be like, oh, yeah, now we have this conversation where you're like, hey, babies of the faith, you know? Like, let me speak into you. I was probably kind of projecting myself on you because like you, I mean, we had a lot of similarities, although I wasn't a football star and all that. So the, the, the parallels break down pretty quickly. But as far as just like coming to faith and then pretty early on being entrusted with mm. ministry, I mean, yes. I, I remember working with youth way too early in my totally. Christian life. Totally. Like, you look back on your teaching and you're like, hey, man, I don't know who trusted me. Yeah, who was who yeah, yeah, putting yeah. me in charge, you know? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, so somewhat projecting that on you because, yeah, mm. I look back and I'm like, wow, I was young in faith when God, by his good grace, was already allowing mm. me to lead and, and to do some ministry stuff. But, but that too, man... That's what's beautiful about being in God's church. There's so many safety nets around. You know, like, yeah. like you working with the youth, you've been able to be around others who are helping mm. you encourage you. It's not like throwing a responsibility on you and then, hey, be warm and well-fed, just go do it. Yeah. You get to kind yeah. of grow into it mm. in the safety of God's church. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's so awesome, too, because I'm going to be 23 years old, and so, you know, pretty young, you know, and... Oftentimes, I want to be a 50-year-old pastor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I'm going to read every book. I'm going to do everything right, where it's actually just like time. Yeah, dude. Experience, godly grief, you know, just like all of these things that have made you into mm. the pastor, the man, the mm. husband, the father, the grandfather that you are mm. now. It's like, oh, there's just kind of a goodness of time there. That's oh, dude. Like, dude, here's what would be fun. We should set the date right now. So that so I'll be eighty seven when that happens. <laughs> so let me interview you. Oh my Let's goodness! Yes, up. yes. Oh my goodness! And I'll still be like Jeff. I'm sitting Help under a waterfall. Yes, yes. So Ellie, we've been married for thirty years. Yeah, now. that's right. Thirty years. So. Oh, that's so good. Wouldn't that be fun, dude? If we could pull that off. Old. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I have a question on just a, a sociological level. Yeah. How have you seen the world change? in the 80s, the 90s, 2000s, right. now 2020, mm -hmm. on the pros, the cons, the church, the... Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, man, every... There's a, there's a phrase that people use, like, historical snobbery. Like, we always think we're living in the most important mm. era or historical moment. Mm. <laughs> you know, so we, got, we, we all suffer from historical snobbery. Um, because on the one hand, things haven't changed that much, right? Mm. Like Solomon talks about in his reflections in Ecclesiastes. Um, in some ways, there's nothing new under the sun, right? So I was raised, at least through my childhood, in the 60s, right? Which seems like ancient history. Wow. Um, well, during the 60s, I mean, we had the Vietnam War going on. We had protests, violent protests. We had uh, the civil rights movement really was birthed and um 
by God's grace, actually kind of brought a lot of advancements, but tumultuously through Mm -hmm. that era of the 60s. Um, So now all of a sudden we have protests. I mean, we were talking about, I had one right outside my house uh, just a couple nights ago. So in some ways I want to say, let's not take ourselves too seriously. Let's take Mm. a deep breath. Mm. Uh, The world has gone through these birth pangs before, you know. But I would also say it's interesting, speaking of my my mother, um, she I was talking to her and she was saying, man, the world, things are crazy. This is maybe a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, well, mom, you know, you're 93. Things have been bad before. We've made it through. And she goes, yeah, but not like this. Wow. And I was like, hmm. And I, I, yeah. was, I kind of took my breath away. I was like, well, mom, you know, the 60s, you know, and all that. Yeah. And she goes, ah, uh, no, this is different. Hmm. So... On the one hand, I would say, Austin, my mom also has access to news and mm. video and stuff that she didn't in the 60s. You know, so right. is it more that it's just before her more? That could be. But I'd also say um, there is a polarizing effect going on right now that seems to be deepening. Hmm. Um, ben Sass, Senator Ben Sass from Nebraska, wrote this book called Them. And he analyzed, he's actually a university professor and a historian, so, mm. so he's not speaking necessarily as a, a politician in the book as much as he's like a sociologist, right. historian. And he just talks about this cultural moment that we're in that we are so quick to shout out about them. Mm. And the them changes constantly, but all I know is it's me and us, and it's them. Mm. And on this issue, it's them. And mm. So I, I would have to say that... Um, I, I, I don't have some kind of chicken little, the sky is falling moment going on, but for your generation of leadership to instill in God's church the value of unity, mm. of peace, of listening, I don't know if there's ever been the need for a stronger call to God's church being like a city on a hill, mm. experiencing valuing, displaying unity wow. and, and yeah. love maybe like there is right now. I mean, our, our city is being fractured. Mm. I mean, pointing out because right out those windows is Iowa City. You look down, you can see the whole region here uh, from where we're sitting. And uh, our, our own city, right? A little microcosm of the right. them stuff going right. on. So it's time for God's church to step it up, I think. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I it's funny. Before I even became a believer... I went door to door campaigning for Ronald Reagan. Oh, <laughs> in my, goodness. oh my goodness. I'm like a junior in high school. Yeah. You know, and, and um, so so there's always been political activism. We've yeah. always had, you know, kind of our people versus those people or whatever. Um, but I, I do feel like it's taken on more heat, hmm. more, uh, what do I want to say, a little bit more volatility now. Yeah than maybe it has in the past. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you this question. It seems, I don't think it seems, it is our generation right now, mm-hmm. give 10 years younger, 10 years older, breeds for people to be extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> what I mean by that is, hey, you have to be extraordinary at this. You have to be different. You have to be unique. Right. You have to have a voice in activism. You have to have a political opinion you have to dress this way you have to present yourself in in Mm -hmm. this way where ordinary ah, 
And so, do you actually think that leads to the false life? Mm. It's kind of a softball pitch. Wow. But yeah, right, right. There is also, along with that them mentality, also a really pronounced me mentality. Mm. I mean, I'm not alone in this. I'm, I'm, I'm way kind of caught up with, with others who are able to analyze cultures mm -hmm. more accurately. But the whole selfie movement, you know what I mean? Just because yeah. of social media, just because of the iPhone, right? Just because okay. of these very basic things that are now as common as the air we breathe. Yep. Those have actually brought us lurched quickly hmm. forward into this um, very self-centered moment where people really want to be seen to be. It's not that we were better people than that. We just didn't have the ability to pull yeah. an iPhone out and yeah. show my image Absolutely. to the world. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so it's 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 just captured what was already in the heart yeah. of of men and women. But it will be interesting. I mean. Um, the generation of freshmen coming into the university system right now is the first generation that has never known life without the iPhone. Mm. And so it, there's a lot of sociologists watching, like, honestly, the, the invention of the iPhone is one of the most wow. pivotal <laughs> times. Wow. And, and again, but we, we, we don't, rec too. right. And, yeah. but we don't recognize it because it's, we're in that right. tide and, and you lose perspective on the shoreline of how, where are we gone, you know? Yeah. Uh, cause we're just in it. Yep. So I do think that that need to be extraordinary, uh, to get all the likes, to get the attention, hmm. it will vandalize the soul deeply, right? I mean, there's, there are times, you know, we talk about the, the greatest generation, which would be like my parents' generation, hmm. the coming through the depression and then fighting in World War II, that, that generation. Um, well, one of the reasons that made them the greatest generation is there were so many causes that forced them to say no to me hmm. and to us and to give themselves to a greater cause that would help all of humanity. You know, hmm. when, when my dad from Orchard, Iowa, um, signs up to become a paratrooper fighting in the Battle of the Bulge and all that, well, that how could some kid from rural farm kid from rural Iowa make a difference for the world, for people who lived a long way away from it? That just brought a selflessness wow. to that generation. You know what I mean? Like mm. we're doing this for them. Not against them. Right, right, um, right, right. So I'm just saying like this generation hasn't tasted those moments where, man, we've got to bring the collective right. together for something that actually doesn't benefit mm. me and gets my, my view off me. So, when you're a kid, mm -hmm. do you feel like you had FOMO or fear of missing out <laughs> like our world has now? Oh, because no. we, I'm here, For I'm sure. on this trip, I'm doing this. Oh, you know, dude. again, just kind of the extraordinary, I'm doing this. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I'm just hanging out on my front porch. Yeah, in Osage, Iowa, yeah. right? So <laughs> don't I, I don't know. I've never lived no. in the 70s. That's where a great question. I do think, again, that's it's not because I had a better heart than you or anybody else in this newer generation, but yeah, we just lacked. Um, so there's a uh, passage in James. Um, let me get there. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions? that wage war within you. Hmm. You desire and do not have. You murder and covenant and cannot obtain. So you fight and wage war. 
Well, what he's talking about is, you know, envy that here's where envy gets really broken and twisted. It's not only that I'm looking over at your mug and wishing that I could have that. That's kind of the first step of envy. When envy really takes on this James 4 true evil is when I actually begin to hate you hmm. because you have it. So now all of a sudden the object becomes secondary. In fact, if that thing, if I fought and killed you for that, the object itself actually loses its prominence. It's my wow. hatred for you. And that's the reason I bring that up is because I have more opportunity to envy <laughs> because of Instagram. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I'm just saying this, this dynamic, this was in the first century, right? This is James, wow. half-brother of Jesus hmm. writing. So this stuff was going on all the time. But now the fuel that can can get into wow. my envy to get me looking at all the things hmm. that so many of them have and wanting and hmm. and causing war. But that's within our hearts, right? That's within right. our hearts. I think you guys just have more access to it. You yeah. Know? I love the language still, staying in First John, actually, mm. of he ends the book, so he writes this whole beautiful collection, and he ends so and he good. says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. Mm. In his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. And he ends and he says, little children, love it. keep yourselves from idols. Isn't that just a, the strangest ending? Yeah. Because he's kind of saying like, even in this time period, he says little children, yeah. even little children of the faith, yes. keep yourself from the idols. Dude. And it's like, so good. right now, it's no different, but it's unique in the self-obsession yeah, and the extraordinaire. In the... So what would be your, man. as a father, yeah. what would you say to the young men and women, to the children, to, to right. everyone else to come? Like, how do you... Yeah. Guard yourselves from idols? Yeah. Well, I mean, the one thing is, I do think people have to, like, just um, take responsibility for their own souls. In other mm. words... The fact that you have an iPhone with Instagram doesn't mean you have to be on it as much as you mm. are. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like the way that, um, oops, sorry, the way that the alcoholic, for instance, has to just say, you know what, that stuff might be fine for some people. I can't get near it, or mm. I have to moderate it radically, or whatever. I'm just saying, if you find that your obsession with stuff or people or whatever mm. is feeling that envy, um, you know, is beginning to take you down dark paths. You got to have the self-awareness and the self-control, the Holy mm. Spirit's gift of self-control enough to say, wait, I just got to step back. And I really admire, there's a lot of people in your generation who are recognizing that, looking in the mirror, right, and recognizing, I don't like what I'm seeing, right. and are saying, I need to either take a break from or totally get off of Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Mm. These things are kind of spoiling my, my soul. And uh, But I, again... That's the reason to stay in the book, man, because you're reading that. Hmm. And this is a book, again, first John, written in the first century, right, to uh, primitive people by our standards. Hmm. And all this stuff is, is true for them as it is yeah. for us. And, and I, even the way that he says it, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin, but the one who is born, uh, hmm. God keeps him, and the evil one does not, teach, does not touch him. But that awareness of the evil one hmm. um you know jesus does this in, in when he teaches us how to pray he's like hey 
pray, keep me from the evil one, right? Yeah. Well, we were such a, in a materialist world, we don't think about Satan, demonic forces. Like, wow. the, the idols are not just inanimate objects when he says, guard yourselves from idols. Those idols were actually representatives of a demonic force that's trying to pull us away from God, away from mm. our creator, away from Jesus, into worshiping all sorts of other stuff. Mm. So it might look like this inanimate object sitting there, yeah. but behind it is an evil force. Mm. And I'm just saying this generation too needs to, I think, come to an awareness and awakening like, man, I see at this level and I see the envy and all the stuff that's very apparent got to recognize there's a whole nother supernatural force mm. that's trying to draw me in wait for that weak point to yeah. to you know take me out and that kind of runs against the grain of a very yeah. naturalistic world and culture that rejects that supernatural stuff you right. know and i think even living specifically in america as a mm. young man we actually don't have to think about the supernatural because we have so many um we're con we have something to entertain us always. Yeah, right. You know, right. This, this conversation isn't to bash cell phones or to no, bash totally. iPads, video games, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, we honestly can just distract ourselves. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not like when you're seven years old and you and your brother are sitting there like, well, what are we going to do this summer right. day? I guess we're going to ride our bikes to the park, invite our friends yeah. and play football. <laughs> yeah. It's more like, well, I have something to just numb my yeah, mind yeah dude and in that sure. it's like i think we can miss like wow like this this is all of god's creation right this is like incredible there is a maker of this Man. there is you know True there's that. a force that's trying to get me to not recognize this as beautiful not just enjoy the beauty Man. of this and so it's like i think dude. for for me even hearing about this and in class just um, talking with other students, it's like, wow, just pausing. And you, yeah, you shared dude. that poem of just like oh, looking yeah. at the flower or whatever yeah. it was. And, and just the being blackberries. Like, the blackberries. Yeah. And, just like, <laughs> and you know, that's not just to be like, you walk around with just this right. christian -y, oh, right, right. But it is like a, this is. An awareness. Yeah. Man, for you and Ellie to be already thinking. Now, you haven't got married yet. We, kids can. You're young enough, you, that's coming, you know, no. but, but I would say even as you think about having kids in this next generation, who knows what the next, what's the new iPhone moment going to be right. for your children, Absolutely. right? Um, but, but always thinking, no, God has put us into this created world and I want to stay in tune to that. You know, hmm. um, it's Andy Crouch that talks about how every morning he makes it his practice to wake up, uh, make his coffee or tea or whatever he's going to drink. And then immediately walk outside to remind himself every day, I'm just part of this natural created world. I, I need to like kind of recalibrate mm. before I open a phone or whatever <laughs> else is going to distract me. Yeah. Wow, God, I am just part of the way that you created everything else. I need to recognize my creator mm. and my role in this creation take myself a little less seriously or whatever and just recalibrate. So I'm just saying like with your kids, don't let them lose the wonder of climbing a tree. Don't let them lose the wonder of going to the park and pushing mm. them on a swing. You know what I mean? Like yes. don't, whatever that yeah. next thing is yeah. that could distract them from just God's creation. Mm. 
help them grow in their fascination. I used to love taking my kids out and, you know, they used to groan about it now, but they've all kind of picked up on it now that they're older and adults themselves and have their own kids. But like planting trees cool. and all that stuff, you know. Cool. I Just let them experience that yes. with you, you know, draw yes. them in. That is awesome. By the way, that went bad one time. I had my one of my, it was my oldest son, Seth. We had a tree that was dying. I was teaching him how to cut down trees and but there were some pretty tall branches and he was way better about getting up in the heights than I was. Well, what I didn't recognize, I saw this vine growing up the tree. I wasn't very good at detecting poison ivy mm -hmm. at that point. <laughs> Not realizing. So he's climbing this thing. So literally, oh, no. yeah, with shorts and his arms and everything, climbing up this tree. So no. just grinding poison ivy into oh. his and body. And he's like, Dad, you're supposed to have wisdom. <laughs> totally. Oh. So later, you know, coming down, he starts, you know, it's you know, and just, oh. just melee. Oh, no. <laughs> and that's trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So sometimes teaching your kids about the outdoors is going to backfire. And that's <laughs> life. Oh, that's fun. I have a question about, the Bible is very clear that in our life, we're going to suffer. Yeah. You know, like, either we are not exempt from that, especially as Christians. Like, afflictions are going to come in our lives. Yeah. And as someone who, you know, I, I've, I've had suffering in my life, but, you know, I haven't had. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. I'm so curious to how do you walk faithfully? Yeah. And in holiness. Hmm over decades mm. of, I'm sure, many tears, mm -hmm. many funerals, mm -hmm. many broken hearts, difficult conversations. Yeah. How do you not just oh, yeah. throw the towel right. in? God, I don't know. Right. I'm, I'm just so yeah. curious. How, how do you do that? And then complimenting that, how do you lament properly? Mm. Because wow. it's going to come. Yeah, it's going to come for sure. Well, um, one, you learn imperfectly. Uh, I have learned everything imperfectly uh, mm. through a series of fits and starts and uh, roadblocks and responding terribly, you know, and learning from that as well. Thankfully, I love, man, the Bible is so clear about the fatherhood of God that he, I think it's Psalm 103, he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, but as the father has compassion on his son, so the Lord has compassion on us. He remembers that we are but dust. Um, it just helps me to know that um, my father is not looking down on me with constant displeasure, but is actually looking down on me with hope mm. and wants to teach me. Um, I was even thinking, I was talking to, so Cole is actually going to teach at Salt Company. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, was, he was asking me about his passage and uh, so they're going through the Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of Matthew 5, it has this, what is often taught as this um, kind of ominous threat. Here's what the verse is. Uh, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Normally, we look at that and we think, well, see, what Jesus is telling us is you'll never match up. You can't be perfect. Therefore, you just need to rely on the grace and the, and the gospel because you'll never be perfect. Well, though it's true, I will never be perfect. Jesus is actually not threatening us or trying to uh, condemn us with mm. that. He's trying to invite us 
to be perfect. The, the word yeah. perfect could be translated like complete or whole. Wow. What he's saying is, no, you're going to struggle with this, but man, let me put my arm around you. Hmm. Our Heavenly Father is perfect. And I want you to be like him. Because even earlier, the very same passage, he says, I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends his reign on the righteous as well as the unrighteous. He's saying, let me teach you how to be like Father. See, our Father, he's mm. not just kind to people that are kind to him. Yep. Even unrighteous people, he lets them grow crops and he keeps sending them rain and keeps, mm. let, me, let me teach you how to be kind to people who aren't kind to you. So that, that verse is, a, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, is an invitation cool. to wholeness and, and, and not like, Come on, just try. Come on, just try. Right, you know, right. It's not like that. So all I'm huh. saying is, as God has brought different trials into my life, I look back and there are times I certainly regret the way that I responded initially or, or the thoughts that went through my mind, the words that came out of my mouth. But God, by his patience, has taught me so much through those so that even if I stumbled around for a while, God upheld me with his righteous right hand and taught me through it. And so my life, I mean, man, it is an imperfect life. And uh, I wish I could write the formula for how to face yeah. trials perfectly. I'm like, I'm still waiting to experience that. Yeah. Um, but God's grace is, c continues to compel mm. us. Like, now keep, I know you're made of dust. Mm. I made you that way. I want to make you perfect. And so I'm just saying, no matter how badly you botch it, no matter how bad your first words were, your first thoughts were, man, you have never out -sinned the grace of God, ever. Hmm. So it's whenever the moment of rational thought, spiritual rational thought comes back, you'd be like, oh, wow, God, I'm sorry I did that, hmm. but can you teach me how to, you know, like you talk about those kind of natural causes right. like death, trial, right. sickness, whatever. Hmm. Or the unnatural ones that come by the hands of other people mm. and we have real enemies or whatever. Mm. God, teach me how, even if I didn't do it right yep. at first, yep. don't give up, you know, persevere. Drew Stevenson had mm. a, uh, I mean, he has, he has a couple lines. He doesn't even know who I am. But he's, <laughs> he's had a couple lines that I've, I literally remember whenever I'm even going through something huh. tiny. The first one was, like two years ago, he said, our God is a God who turns our suffering into glory. Mm. And then the second one he said at a breakout this time, he said, the time to learn the theology of suffering is before you suffer. Man. So the time to know, yes. here's actually what scripture, here's what truth has to say before you go through it. Yes. Is actually equipping you to face it Dude. with an understanding of, yes, I'm living in a fallen, broken world. I'm experiencing real pain, thorns yeah. and thistles of just, yeah. God, yeah. why? Yeah. But in that, the glory to come. Mm. I mean, I, I totally. feel like your life is actually a product of that. Mm. Like, this is the reason I'm looking to you and like, teach me, Jeff. Mm. Like, I want to imitate you as you mm. imitate Christ because mm. God has brought you through mm. all of these hardships and these difficulties along with rejoicing. He's given yeah, you wonderfully lots of, awesome yeah. gifts, but it's like yeah. you have persevered. Mm. And now we are looking on the back end of a lot of, let's just say, crap that you've yeah. gone through. Oh, and yeah. there will be some to come, but it's like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. In that, 
how yeah. beautiful of a man mm. that God has given us. Mm. I'm just like, Jeff, you don't understand what this is going to mean in 20 years when you get to talk to a 23-year-old right, about right, right, right. Yeah, pastoring dude. for all these years. And you certainly can't see it in the moment, right? I mean, like if, if we did have like a nanny cam or whatever, you know, kind of following me around, if you could see those episodes, yeah. you know, you'd be yeah. less than enthused about this conversation. Like, yeah, we probably shouldn't follow Jeff. <laughs> yeah, totally. totally. But, but again, it just highlights... The grandiose, uh, this mm. grace of God, because um, mm. I rarely respond rightly on the fly. <laughs> mm. uh, but but that's not his expectation. You know, he's he's willing to put his armor on me and say, yeah, until your dying breath, you're still going to be a work in progress. You know, but but to your point too, that's why we have to be people of the book. And mm. man, I just want to confess, I there are still seasons of life where I find myself neglecting the Bible just for my own spiritual nourishment because of my occupation, hmm. right? I'm, I'm studying and teaching, but I'm saying those times that, no, you're just hmm. waking up to drink from God's word because you're a Christian, just hmm. because you're a son of God. Um, and in those times, I still, I mean, I'm 57. I came to Christ at what, 19 or 20, however old I was. A couple years um, ago. A couple years ago. Even now, when, if I find myself drifting from just drinking in and feeding on God's word, I find those kind of old fleshly attitudes taking place, mm. my, my just being weighted down with, yeah, fleshly thoughts, not thinking God's thoughts after him. So I'm just saying, what to Drew's point, you prepare for the tough days by just being faithful and nourishing mm. your soul day by day wow. when things are placid and quiet, right? Yep. You, you want to store up so that when the day of evil comes, you know, the Ephesians 6, the day of evil comes, I'm prepared. I've got my sword, you know, I've got, I've got sword of truth. I've got my shield of faith. I'm ready for that day, even if it comes like shockingly unannounced, all of a sudden it's yep. just on me. But I'm okay. I'm prepared. Mm. Wo- woe to us when we're unprepared you know right. what i mean we, we've been neglecting right. this and so now we're, mm. we're we're kind of vulnerable because we haven't prepared our hearts for that day wow i love jesus in a lot of different ways yeah yeah but there's just a few images that i love mm. in suffering yeah i love that his yoke is easy yeah that it's like all right if we're the two ox like moving this right, way right right he steps in between. He's like, hey, guys, I'm actually going to wear a lot of this. Like, you're still moving forward. But like, and we're still like, look at us. No, we're doing it. We're getting through this life of hardship. But Jesus is like, hey, man. It's not even touching our shoulders. Let's be real. Let's be real here. Who's pulling it? And then just him being our firm foundation. Yeah, dude. You know, praise God man. that we can, in our imperfections, in our just ungodliness, we can still be like, Man, I have a firm foundation that isn't changing. My hope is still in the true God who is risen. I'm still a prisoner of hope. Yeah, dude. Today, in this this moment of culture, I have a firm foundation. Man. Well, the the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints Hmm. is not that I must persevere to the, the... the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints is that God perseveres to keep me a saint. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And which reflexively looks like perseverance in me. Yeah. But the real perseverance is God's perseverance hmm. to continue to form me and make me wow. and keep me on the path. Even when I'm heading toward a ditch, you know, and, yep. and even fall in that ditch, he's like, come here. 
whoosh, you know. Here I am, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Back over here, boy. You know, come, come and I walk love, on this path. Oh, I love even as a gray-haired man. You're like, oh, God's still my father. Like, oh, there's man. still the paternal nature about him. So much. So, Jeff, so you've much. studied a lot, yeah? Yeah, a little. Jeff has big... I envy Jeff's study. Uh, it's kind of like a man crush of books. You know, if, yeah. if that's proper language for it. But I walk in there, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't wait to read all these books, yeah, you know. But Truly. you've collected a couple doctorates. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jeff teaches Veritas School of Theology. And, you know, you're just equipping young minds to be theologically trained to go mm-hmm. into this world. Um, but he had us read Knowing God by J.A. Packer. Oh, and he man. has a quote in there that's along the lines of knowledge about God should lead to meditation before God, mm. resulting in praise and prayer to God. Yeah. And I'm just so, I'm so curious because I am a man that's very quick to be like, let me collect knowledge so right. I can dump my insight on you. Right. I'm very interested in how you have been trained theologically, but still have the doxology mm. of being able to worship God. What mm. I mean by that is mm. you have all of the knowledge of these books of scripture of Hey, let me quote something from here, and you could go. You could you can teach theology and answer any question, but how do you continue in that? Not grow prideful Man. in your own heart. Be it's deceived vital, by your own dude. knowledge. It's so vital because you know you used those words orthodoxy and doxology, right? There's it is good and right. It should be our ambition to have right thinking orthodoxy, mm-hmm. like like true, like truth reign in our minds and in mm-hmm. our souls. But man, if it stops there, I talked about Monday night, you know, when, when Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler and, uh, and he says, hey, which commandments? Oh, yeah, he gives the right answer. And, and when he has that encounter with the rich young ruler, he goes, oh, rightly so. And he uses the word orthodox. Oh, you're a good orthodox boy. You know, like, oh, mm. well done. But you can tell the rich young ruler doesn't love yeah. the Lord your God with all his heart, soul, mind, yeah. and strength because he doesn't love his neighbor as himself. He's not willing to divest himself in order to help others. Um, and so what I'm saying is, it's clear that Jesus is saying, it's not enough to be able to check off the boxes, answer the right questions, be an Orthodox guy. You've got to be, have a heart full of worship, of doxology, mm. worship toward God. And so I, one of the things I think, Austin, that helps is doing theology in the context of a local church. Hmm. Um, I, I want to see that what we're studying actually makes a difference in the Hmm. very real world that we're planted in you know so so i know every monday night you guys are all walking out those doors and you're heading into real world experience with unbelief brand new belief people that you also are discipling and training and and so there's something about taking it out of the the academy you know and by the way, I'm not, I'm not even opposed to the academy. It's because of the academy and their ability to uh, pull a bunch of minds together and create big libraries mm. and great research centers that we can ride on their coattails, right? So right. I, I love the fact that I can read the works of those who have been in the academy. But where, where theology really needs to happen is in the context of the local church mm. because that's what mm. exhilarates me, right, is, yeah. is myself having to enter the real world, but equipping people who are not someday, not four years down the road, mm. once you get out of this place, you're going to actually enter the real world. Right. Like 
tonight when you yeah. leave this room, you're entering yeah. the real world. And how does this yep. thinking, this biblical thinking going mm. to bump up against the worldviews that you're going to encounter out mm. there? So I think for me, that's kind of living vicariously through all of you guys, um, watching you first delight in what you're learning and then taking it out. Mm. That's what keeps it doxological yeah. for me, right? Just, yeah. yeah, seeing it explode in your souls. What a joy. And I feel like Jeff's one of those guys. I'm, I'm not here to just hype you up, but that's what I'm here to do, actually. <laughs> but Jeff has this, like, you have that laugh. You know, you have this, like, exuberance, this love, this, like, outpouring nature that people are just like, I want to be around you. Like, people don't even know that you're kind of a theology nerd and <laughs> yeah. you love Herman Bavink and, yeah. and all of this stuff. They don't quite know that until they right. get into class they see this man who's just like i'm here let's do life <laughs> together and i think that for me is a compelling vision as a young pastor mm. you know mm. be someone you want to hug before you want to talk about the theology of predestination wow, wow dude that's a great that's quotable that's quotable that's good i like that don't quote yeah me. And that would be <laughs> <laughs> no but dude that's and that's even the just the the spiritual virtue, the Christian virtue of just hospitality, right? Mm. That's what you're talking about, wanting to, to mm. hug, to entertain, to embrace, mm. to welcome. Um, that also is what keeps us um, doxological because mm. it's, we love God as we love people. You know what I mean? And so again, to, to kind of divorce good Orthodox theology from people work hmm. that messes with you right that right. just it, it becomes right. cold and stale and off-putting hmm. um so i like that to be the guy that you hmm. want to hug before you want to hmm. hear them talk about predestination that's, that's <laughs> gonna stick with me that's you're good. doing that um i have a couple more as we kind of yeah. start to land the ship yeah the great divorce oh man you like it i love that book <laughs> We're going to transition into hopeful wisdom. Yeah. You know, we're living in this culture. We've yeah. talked about just the difficulties, the egocentricism yeah. of it. Um, but our hope's in heaven. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's what we're, we're holding on to. Mm-hmm. Then the great divorce, C.S. Lewis. And you he, got the hardback version. I love that. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I love hard I'm like, especially oh. ones like this that you want to keep yes you want to treasure there's a lot of reason for paper dude well done but in the first chapter so oh and the pen you're using oh i'm a little jeff dodge <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're all thinking right now it's like oh, no, the pen the books like the it. notebooks I like the, it. <laughs> the keep going. I keep, I keep distracting you but that. he says this as they approach this um, almost heavenly realm, there's mm. these people coming down to meet people. And he describes these people as this. He says, some were bearded, but no one in that company struck me as being of any particular age. <laughs> one gets glimpses, even in our country, of that which is ageless. Mm. Heavy thought in the face of an infant. <laughs> in frolic childhood, in that of a very old man. Mm. Here... It was all like that. So beautiful. Doesn't it almost get you choked up just to hear him just describe that, you know? 
I love that. What will agelessness look like? You know what I mean? Mm. But, but I thought about that actually, like with Ray Ortland. You know, we had mm. one of our first roundtables, I think, was with Ray Ortland. And when he gets that just youthful, like, twinkle in his eyes, mm. I mean, he might as well be back at age 20 or whatever. Just that vibrant, just joy, you know? Oh. And uh, it, I, I love that. And that's, that's what, don't you think that's the Psalm 1 idea that when you drink from the scriptures, when you're anchored in, in Christ, even when you're old, even when you're this majestic old oak tree, you're still bearing fruit. Like you, you are wow. still putting out new leaves mm. like that brand new sprout that's just putting its first leaves up to catch the mm. sun. You know what I mean? You're, here you are, this big canopy of an oak tree, and you're still bearing fruit. You're still vibrant. And man, that's the way to live, and that's the way to mm. die. You know, just loving the creator, loving people. We don't have to become cranky, um, curmudgeon -y, looking at those young folks or the, even this, yeah. I've got a neighbor yeah. that, um, uh, elderly retired guy and a brand new park went across from our two homes. Hmm. And so they just opened it up cause after COVID they finally opened it up. brand new park. It's been closed for like two years. They finally opened it up and took the tape away so everybody can get in there. And there's just kids there all the oh, time. I mean, so all the, it's so fun. so fun. And, uh, it was so cool cause Clyde said, man, don't you love the sound of all that laughter coming from uh, over in the park, you know? And I was yeah. like, yes, yes, I do. You know what I mean? Uh, As opposed to this, man, why are they got so loud? Yeah. You know, no, no. He was like, don't you love hearing yeah. that? <laughs> and I thought, yes, that is the way oh to be. You know? <laughs> do you think when we're in heaven, we'll actually kind of return to that childlikeness? Oh, where, I wonder. We're actually like little kids cackling, running up yeah, the hill, right. like, oh my goodness, <laughs> everything. Like, yeah. Everything has been renewed. Everything, oh. when you're 10 years old as a little boy, you're not thinking about the grandioso of everything right. going on. You're just like, ah. Yeah, truly. Oh, man. We well, just think about something getting refurbished, whether it's an old car or whatever. Mm. And, 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 you know, you're like, oh, that's cool. And then somebody, like, totally redoes it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It brings it back to its original. You're like, so what, what will that be like oh, Wow. with the entire heavens and earth? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. What will it be like when, oh, that's the way it was supposed to look. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. all we're seeing is the rusted out version, you know, yeah. of everything. What will it be like when we see each other, when we see trees in the world, clouds, whatever that is, mm. remade and brought back to rights? You know, I mean, it's just phenomenal to think. Of course, we're going to have that joy of discovery, that twinkle in our eyes. Yeah. And then the, when he talks about, I just closed it up, but he talks about, like the sparkle in the old man, but also the heavy thought in the face of an infant. Yeah. Where you're yeah. just kind of like looking and they're like, wait. Yeah. This infant has. Wow. Like making sense of things. Like I feel, I feel like when we come into the presence of Jesus and we see the scars on his hand, mm. like there's going to be this heavy thought that yeah. kind of matches this like twinkle, but also like I didn't even recognize mm. how great your sacrifice was for wow. me. Wow. Wow. I think, yeah, that's good. I think even that, you know, when you were talking about first John earlier, first John two, uh, where he, he brings up the old man cause he says, you know, the fathers, the old dudes, you have known him who is from the beginning. And he says that twice about the, the mm. fathers of the faith. 
And so there is both a twinkle in the eye, a, a love, uh, we're going to get through this, you know, that kind of vibrant Psalm 1 kind of faith. Hmm. But there's also like a seriousness, I think, you know, an hmm. appropriate, because um, you've contemplated those heavier things of God also. It's not just a giddy, hmm. you know what I mean? That, that, there is joy. But it's also anchored in this like uh, eternal perspective, I guess. You know what I mean? Mm. And yeah, you get, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about some of these old generals. You know, we've still got a couple four and five star generals uh, alive and talking. You know, and you just think, man, there's a reason that when you talk, every other military you know, mm. officer like leans in, like. They fought those battles, you know. If you took their uniform off, you'd see the scars around or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yep. and uh, they kind of earned their right to, mm. to speak. And so, yeah, I think both the joy that should be ours, the twinkle in the eye, but also that like, wow, I want to lean in because you contemplated heavy things. You contemplated mm. the the God of the universe. I want to, mm. you know. I hope both those things are really yeah. evident and true. Well, Jeff, I've appreciated this time with you. It's my joy. I know I'm not Mark. <laughs> I'm Austin. And we got to do it live. We didn't have to be yeah, up to different screens. Like, That's we, so fun. If we work here, let's just do it together. I walked up to Austin and was like, hey, I'll run home so we can do it. He's like, why don't you just pull a chair up? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we can, can do, do that. that. <laughs> oh, but Jeff, here's what I want you to do. As you close, I want you to speak a word of wisdom to the next generations following in your footsteps. Mm. And I mm. want you to speak into our lives yeah. of how do we not waste our, our earthly lives mm. and how do we do this well? Because mm. let's be honest, you're not going to be around forever. Nope. And there's young men, there's young women, there's mothers, there's fathers, there's teenagers that are following in your footsteps. Mm. We as a church are looking to you like Jeff. Mm. What is your word to us of how do we not waste this? Mm. Well, I hope that you guys are as optimistic about you as I am optimistic about you. Mm. <laughs> because, again, back to that First John passage, it's the little children who delight that their sins have been forgiven, right? Mm. But it's also the young men who have conquered the evil one. It's the young men who are strong. God's word remains in you, and you've conquered the evil mm. one. What I'm saying is... Um, the real fierce battles of our, of our culture and our world are going to be on your shoulders, right? Hmm. We, we look to the five-star generals to give us wisdom, and, and we need them, so we're leaning in. But you don't send a 75-year-old five-star general out on the front lines, right? <laughs> they do send you, right? Hmm. And, and what he's saying is, and you got this. You are strong. God's word remains in you. You have conquered the evil one. You know. So what I'm saying is, I'm grateful that I have been able to be on those front lines moments. And when that was my, my chapter of life, I wanted to do that valiantly, courageously, depending on God, God's word remaining in me. Hmm. But now it's a joy to, to be in that room as I'm kind of entrusting this book you know, and this message to you. Now, again... Don't let me retire. I don't yeah, want to have yeah. I So I'm still, I've got yeah. my own battles to face and, and whatever yeah. uh, God's going to call me to. But the heavy lifting of God's church is on the next generation. And mm -hmm. I guess I'm just saying, 
I couldn't be more optimistic as I look around wow. and see you and your peers right here in, in Iowa City and so many around in our network. I, I can't wait to see what, mm. I, I don't look at today's you know, climate and think, oh no, mm. what's gonna happen? I look around and I'm like, man, and we have exactly the right men and women to meet this moment. So be encouraged, awesome. Be encouraged. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's been a joy. So fun. I hope this we we you know lived out seeking practical wisdom from a father uh, of the faith. But Jeff, as as we close, would you want to pray over just yeah. kind of this whole conversation, mm-hmm. of next generation, but also your generation and just the church and as a you? Whole. You're about to be married. Oh, two days. <laughs> I'm, I'm like blushing. I am blushing right now. Oh, oh, I'd love to. Yeah, let's pray. God, as I uh, place my hand on, on Austin's shoulder here, I do pray for him and Ellie and this beautiful new family that you're about to begin um, with the two of them. Lord, may your blessing just rain down upon them. May they just be just aware, Lord, mm. so aware of your gift of grace to them that they get to start this whole new chapter of life together, Lord. So, uh, yeah, set, set their feet on solid ground as they begin mm. to enter into these new chapters together, Lord. Um, but even as I place my hand on him to pray on behalf of all those young mm. men and women out there, uh, Lord, who are facing a, a scary world and feel unequipped for it, give them courage, Lord, give them strength, give them, give them optimism and hope. Because, Lord, as you walk with them and you give them your beautiful, precious word, they do have everything mm, that they need to conquer the evil one, Lord. So give them um, visions of, of brand new heights mm. that we have never even seen before. Give them words of reconciliation where there is only warring right now. Give them visions of unity and love that will absolutely make your church, God, your church, a city on a hill for people to flee to, to run to, and find hope and grace in the gospel of Jesus, Lord. So thanks for this moment with this blessed younger brother, <laughs> God. And I, I just uh, pray, God, that you would reign supreme as we follow you. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.